This is Copilots, the podcast where we watch not just the first episode of a show, but also the second. Some shows just don't have the best pilot episode, and giving it that second chance might just sway your mind. Here, we take that chance for you, and let you know our opinion on if it deserves more than one shot. I'm Justice, alongside me is my co-pilot Josh. Now, let's get ready for takeoff. Your in-flight entertainment this week will be Swamp Thing. Swamp Thing first debuted October 6, 2020 on the CW Network, right? Yes, I believe so. That's what it tells me. Well, I hate to break it to you. It's wrong. Nah, no, 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 no. Something actually debuted last year on DC, on DC's streaming service, and for some reason is being pitched as if it's a new show entirely on the CW Network. DC has a streaming service? Yeah, DCU. No, that doesn't sound right. Yeah, I, I, I had a subscription for a minute. Because I was watching Young Justice. Mm, I, I don't I don't understand why you won't have a subscription to that thing. Like, wasn't one of their selling points the Titans show? Yeah, and then the show with Mm-mm. Mm-mm. No. Be- Beast Boy's old crew. I can't remember the name of them. Doom Patrol. That's it. Doom Patrol. Mm, yeah. Yeah, the one where they shoehorn in Cyborg. So we have two robot-based men who are going through the same life crises. Yeah, that show. So... This show is actually over a year old now, but is now just debuting on normal television, I guess. Yes. And episode one, like most episode ones, is entitled Pilot. Wait, wait, wait. Are most episode ones entitled Pilot? Yeah, that's a thing. I have not paid attention to what we've been doing here. Yeah, yeah. So so you see, the first episode of the show is called a Pilot, and so we are the co-pilot review because we review the Pilot... And the second episode, the so, first so, two. So is the second episode also pilot? No, no, that's just that's just a gimmick that we do. Nah, that doesn't make sense. Well, unfortunately, that's exactly what this whole show's been. Well, shit, we don't make any sense, guys. You know, we've been recording this for over six months now. I'm, I'm surprised it finally that it took you this long to catch on. I'm not. I'm not surprised by that at all. Anyways, the show starts with the DC logo, the DC streaming, the DCU streaming service logo, and the Warner Brothers logo flashing across the screen. And DC's pretty decent music to go along with the animation. And then we open on a swamp, and a boat with some dudes in it. Yeah, I mean, were you really expecting anything more besides a swamp? It's it's called Swamp Thing. Yeah, I don't know. I was expecting a good show. Um, they've been hired. This group of people in the boat have been hired to drop boxes. Of unknown contents. Yeah. They're following a computer that's giving them a signal to drop these boxes off somewhere. At specific GPS coordinates. And so they make their last drop, and then something knocks against the boat. Yes. And the entire time they're kind of blathering on about how they don't like being out this far. And the guy with the computer reasons, I wouldn't like to be out here at night if I was going to be caught fishing with these, and he picks up a stick of TNT, because I guess... Why not carry dynamite out when you go fishing? Well, one of the guys apparently has, like, former, has, like, fishing violations and hunting violations. So, like, dynamite fishing's a thing he does. Yeah, I've never understood dynamite fishing, though. It just seems extraneous and, like, you're not really going to get much from it. So, you don't get the fish where the dynamite blows up. The shockwave goes out far enough that it kills a bunch of other fish without tearing them apart. Yeah, no, I realize that. I'm just saying, like, it, it feels almost like it'd be easier just to set up some nets and stuff and check back later. 
Yeah, but dynamite's fun. Nets aren't. I guess. I mean, whatever. So when they drop the last box off, something hits the boat. I said that, yes. Yeah. I was just picking up where we left off. And so one guy's like, just a gator, right? Yeah. Um, fun fact, guys, it's not. It's not a gator. No, in fact, it's actually like plants. Plants are knocking on the boat. Yep. And while the plants are knocking on the boat, one of the three guys falls over and he's in the water now. Yeah, when the things hit the boat, this bothers me because we get no explanation for this ever. Though I have one vague explanation that always exists but actually stands reason in the show. The lights and the bo- and the outboard motor all turn off. That's why that guy standing up, he's trying to get the motor to work, remember? Yeah, but I, I didn't realize that it was from when the plants hit it. I thought it, they it stopped the like, boat to drop the thing and then... Well, that would make sense for the motor, but the lights went off too. Oh, yeah, okay. So, magic, right? Yeah, magic. But the magic magic explanation actually makes sense with this show. Okay, okay. If it follows the comics more. So, the one guy gets knocked in the water. He tries swimming back to the boat, but then something grabs him and pulls him underneath. Yeah. So, we zoom out and we see the roots and vines and stuff moving around a bit more. And one of the guys on the boats hears the vines and stuff moving around. So, he grabs the stick of dynamite, lights it, and throws it at the noise. And... And it blows up in the water. And blows up a bunch of the plants and vines. And the plants and vines make a screaming noise. And then impel the bottom of the boat on up. Going through the dynamite throwing guy. And knocking the other guy out of the boat. Yep. And that guy makes it over to some shore. Some some actual land. Before he looks up and sees a bunch of plants. And we get cut to the intro. Yes. So the opening of this show is very green yeah the music's very unmemorable and it, it's meant to be like really suspense heavy it's in a lot of lower tones and stuff it's all right and most of the opening is just shots of things we have a woman falling into water um a sunken house a bar a police car swamp we have an eye being taken over it looks like roots and vines Yep, and that's the opening. Yes. And then we go to a classroom where we see some kids just... I don't understand what this lesson is, really. They're being told about a story about a princess trapped in a castle, and she had all of her gold stolen from her, and yeah. she was scared, and when you're scared, you're supposed to be brave. and Yeah, yeah, I understand they're, they're talking about a story, but like... The teacher's asking them questions without, like, any real basis for the exact response that all of the children are giving. What are you supposed to do when you're scared? And then they're all like, be brave. And, and like, the scared thing, though, she's like, I think she asked the children how the princess felt when she had her stuff stolen. And, like, I feel like most children's answer would be, like, angry, not scared, right? So. Could be a story they read in class, though. And, like, if it specifically said... The princess was scared then this is just repetition like i know and one little girl in the class starts she coughs and mm. this black slimy stuff comes out of her mouth and then we see the same black slimy stuff leaking out of her nose and her vision's going blurry she tries to stand up and then she falls over i mean she raises her hand first yeah the teacher doesn't see her yeah she, she raises teachers... her hand before her nose starts leaking weird fluid yeah, the teacher is just not paying attention, and she stands up to try to... Leave, go somewhere, get something. Falls down, teacher finally notices, screams Susie, and runs over to 
Yep, that's where we get her name. Susie. Yeah. Then we got to an establishing aerial shot that is labeled as the Democratic Republic of the Congo. That we do. And we what do we find there? Well, we cut into a tent, and there's a guy in full hazmat outfit. Okay. And there's a kid with some sort of bladed weapon swinging it at the guy in the hazmat outfit. Yeah. And the boy is frantically saying things in French while swinging the sword, what blade, whatever it is. What was he saying? I don't speak French. I don't fucking speak French. You speak more French than I do. Yeah, not enough to give a fuck. Okay, so he's swinging the blade back and forth and yelling in French. Yeah, and there's a girl behind him kind of looking sick and cowering. Yep. And then another person in a hazmat suit comes up, takes her helmet off, and starts talking to the kid in French. Yep. She basically just says that it was so good of you and so brave of you to try to protect your sister. But we're just here to help. Let us help. And um, eventually she talks the kid down and they take the, the little girl and the boy into a CDC tent to this, for this treatment. woman, assumedly a doctor at this point, who has taken off her hazmat mask, picks up the very, very sick girl who is, I know, supposedly very, very sick because they're wearing full-on hazmat suits and puts her... In her arms, with her face, right next to her face. Well, this character, this woman, is played by actress Crystal Reed from Teen Wolf fame. Yeah. Um, If you watch Teen Wolf, you would know her as Allison Argent. And she's playing the Swamp Thing character, Abigail Arcane. And she's very bad at following... I mean, honestly, all the doctors we see in the show are... Yeah. I, I actually have a note. Of, She's terrible at, reco- at uh, following PPE yeah, requirements. Back at medical camp, Abby and colleagues are talking about how she lit- risked her life to save uh, the girl and risked hemorrhagic fever. And then I have in brackets, show that illustrates that these CDC standards are entertainment standards, not actual medical standards, just based on how this interaction proceeds. Yeah. Because um, she is out of her hazmat suit now. She's wearing a different pair of gloves. No face mask or anything. Talking to this other doctor. And so she is right next to him, which means she's breathing right on him, exposing everything. And she's talking about how she will get all these tests done and everything because she exposed herself to possible hemorrhagic fever. Yeah, and she's and just like, mm. I'll get I'll get the proper test and work, paperwork and all that stuff done later. And I'm just like, you're walking through the medical like, she, camp she you is, have here. She is currently a potential vector for the spread of this illness and honestly she should be quarantined away from the rest of the staff if i knew this wasn't just the way television shows operate i would already assume um abby's character uh, this person's character abby was comic book abigail arcane when she's fucking evil because she is like a representative uh, she's not the avatar of, but she does deal with the black the rot all that disease and death and stuff I would assume she's just doing her job, spreading deadly diseases, killing things off. Yeah, so as her and her partner exit the tent after she's like, I'll get the test done, don't worry about it. He tells her that there's been a call from Atlanta and that there's a situation brewing in the States that that needs some looking at. Yeah, so he hands her this folder and she appears to have like a flash of recognition on her face. Okay, so then we cut to... Marae, Louisiana, and Crystal and her partner are driving through the town in a Jeep. Yeah, um, I, I think Abigail's partner is Carl Harlan. 
I think they mentioned that just before we come here, or just in this car ride. It's if they did right around here. If they did, I missed it. I didn't get his name until they were in the hospital later. I think it's around here somewhere, and I think they say his first name later in the hospital because I think Harlan says last name. Harlan's his first name. His last name's Edwards. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they're driving through the town. They're just kind of talking about it, and Harlan makes a comment about it being old and run down. They kind of joke about it. And then as they're about to cross a bridge, um, we see a wooden cross with like some a wreath and flowers on it. I definitely missed that cross. Yeah, it's right on the right side of it. We see Abigail looking at it. And then we get a flashback of her and I'm assuming her friend out by this car, which is literally like parked in the middle of the fucking bridge at an angle. No, it's like, definitely parked at a weird angle. Yeah, it's bullshit and stupid and I hate teenagers because that's effectively what this is about. But she doesn't look super happy about like remembering it and then we cut back to the flashback again and it's just her friend standing on like the side of the bridge like on the guardrail and that's all we get from it so probably has something to do with stuff that's going to pop up later i assume i think i know what character it is based off the stuff i see later we see later it just kind of feels like to me she is reminiscing on a friend who died which to me like would be the catalyst for why she left this town not necessarily anything going forward but like why she hasn't been here in so long yeah i can understand that i think it can provide a character conflict later in the story though the reason why we're pointing out what we both think here is we have disagreements about some parts of the show i think the majority of the show is boring and there's too many scenes that you don't think do there's scenes that aren't needed i think there are some scenes that aren't needed like we both agree the opening scene of the show a lot of it was a not, lot of it's not needed like almost watching the people die needed the, the dialogue no yeah because we go over those things about the fucking boxes they drop and the computer. The boxes like three or four more times and the computer like twice more. Mm-hmm. It... Anyways, we cut to the hospital now. Um, where the head doctor at the hospital is filling them in on what's going on. Yeah, they have um, four patients. Four patients infected. The most recent one coming in this morning. And the first being the little girl from the other scene. Yes. We now get... The main character's name, Dr. Abby Arcane. It hasn't, we haven't gotten her full name up until now. Yes. And even then, her, her name is Abigail. Mm-hmm. So we don't even get her full name here. That's fair. <laughs> um, and she is explaining to the hospital staff that she works for the CDC's Epidemic Intelligence Services. Yes. And that they're going to do the best they can to figure everything out. And that anyone that's going to be coming in direct contact with the patients needs to wear masks, gloves, and goggles. Yeah. She, and she says... No caregivers are going to die, get on my, infe- are going to get infected on my watch, something like that. Yep. Um, then she goes to visit um, patient zero, the little girl, and, and immediately doesn't wear goggles. She is not wearing goggles, and she gets, obviously, because she's examining this new patient, gets right up next to this little girl's face. Yep. No glasses, no goggles. And though she does find really just what looks like a tiny bit of, like, algae. Yeah, some vegetation. On, on like, a stick, maybe. Covered in slime ne- next to this little girl. Yeah, like right on her pillow. She takes it to the head doctor, um, and he says they'll run some tests and see what, it, what they can find. Also, I don't know if you noticed when she walked in, that also was like a great thing, but which I mean not. So they have collapsible um, entrance ways to like seal off, hermetically seal off, right? Mm-hmm. So she has to unzip her way in. Yeah. She doesn't zip it back up. She doesn't zip up the one on the outside. We see her unzip it, walk in, and then unzip the other one. Yeah. So she's just left that entire area exposed onto the main part of the hospital. Mm-hmm. 
She then sees a man flipping through some test works. Yeah, he. I think he's flipping through the little girl's test work. I yeah. think they kind of vaguely mention that it's that one. And so she goes up to him and confronts him about it because he's just a guy in street clothes looking through medical work. Yeah, and he's asking to see... The most recent blood tests. The most recent blood tests. And that he has like a vague idea of what it is. And he's like not extremely forward about what he's doing, but also insisting that he's important. Yeah, a nurse recognizes him though and calls security to kick him out. Yeah. And as he's being pulled out of the hospital, he's like... Your CDC rulebook isn't going to help you. You'll have to come to me eventually. Yeah. He does not make a good first impression. Or a second impression. Or any impression, really. Yeah, that's fair. So. Like, I I think that's one thing. Like, I don't think this actor leaves a lot of impression on me at all for any of his performance. Which is kind of sad. Another reason why I might find this show boring. Yeah. He he does not have a strong presence as a character. No, he doesn't. But, I mean, given his character, I don't think he needs a particularly strong presence for long. Anyways, they're going to start tracing the little girl's contact to figure out who she might have, been, how she might have been exposed to whatever this is. Yeah. They, they talk about her. She has no mom. And they can't find her dad. Yep, her dad is missing. And his boat is not in its slip at the docks. So, Abby heads towards, heads to the little girl's house. And when she gets there, she meets up with a police officer. His name is Matt, and they know each other from before she left this town, because she did grow up here. Yeah. So, this is something that just makes my inner nerd a bit happy, that we have Matt Cable, or Matthew Cable, actually, because I I just like that he becomes a raven for Dream in the comics, because he some shit fucks up in his life. So, the two of them go into Mr. Coyle's house. We now know that the girl's name is Susie Coyle. Yes. And... They're looking through the house, trying to figure out what's going on. On a note, they are actually wearing disposable gloves inside the house. They are, yes. And we learn during this point that Mr. Quill is one of the men that was attacked by the plants out in the swamp. Matt and Abby don't know this, but they give us enough information that you you can kind of piece it together. As they're exploring the house, they begin to hear a sawing noise. Yeah, I think I I only recognize it as a sawing noise because we watch our shows with captions on them. I think at first it could be a bit of a dragon sound, and then it definitely came, became more definitively sawing after a moment. I thought it sounded like a sawing noise coming from an upper floor, but there's no upper floor, so... Yeah, I thought it sounded like it was coming from an upper floor. At first I thought it sounded kind of dragging, but, you know. I mean, sawing is dragging. You're dragging... You're dragging sharp teeth across it. Okay, true. I mean, I'm getting technical, but... Yeah, so they set off to find the sound. Um, and as they're going through the halls of the house looking for the sound, we see a bunch of slime on, on the walls. Slime and plant life. And at one point, the plant life slash slime kind of moves as they walk past it. Yep. And eventually, this trail of slime leads them to a room that has a closed door. And, and they yell several times for Mr. Coyle. But nobody answers the door, so they bust into the room. And it's the guy from the hospital sawing a piece of floorboard. Yeah. Yeah. He says he's collecting samples. Yeah, they freak out, ask him what he's doing, even after he says he's taking samples. And then he's like, I think you've missed the, the main thing, and points to the other side of the room where... It, well, points behind them, yeah. and it's in another room, an ensuite bathroom. Yeah. And we find Mr. Coyle. He's got his hands on the sink, 
counter. And he's kind of st hunched over the sink, like he's kind of staring into the mirror. But more importantly, he is completely covered and filled with vegetation. Yep. That probably is the more important part. Um, I mean, he's standing there. That's yeah. important. He's alive, yeah? Yeah, I don't know about you, but when they first walked into the room, I because he was so hunched over, he just looked like a black shape, almost. Yeah. I thought it might be cool, like, trying to cut off some roots or something from him. I didn't know what was going on. Yeah. And so... We cut to the outside of the Coil residence, and a police officer is interrogating um, a man who we now know as... Alec Holland. Alec Holland, yep. Yep. And Matt and Abby are talking about what what's going to happen to Alec because... He broke into a place, and Matt seems intent on arresting him. Yep. They don't end up arresting him. In fact, um, as Abby goes to leave, Alec breaks off from the cop that he was talking to, which... Seems weird. Like, he just stops the conversation with a cop to run after Abby. Yeah, like... I, I don't think you get the luxury of just mm -mm. walking away from a cop that's that's interrogating you because you broke into a house. Yeah, With no. a dead body in it. Like, it might be a more believable situation if Matt had walked down there first, be like, hey, we're fine, we're not going to do anything with him. But, no, Abby walks away from Matt, and then Alec walks away from whoever his officer was. Uh, it doesn't make sense. Anyways... He introduces himself to her, and he talks about how he was hired by Avery Sutherland, Sunderland. Yeah. Um, and that he's investigating something that might have to do with the illness, but she's going to have to come to Sunderland's lab to look at the abnormalities he's found. Yeah. Uh, he does mention what his field of study is, though. He studies plants, and he's a biologist. Yep. So Abby agrees to uh, go check out the lab with him after he's like, it could really help you. I think I have some stuff that could help beat the the this abnormality looks like it's linked to your illnesses. So she agrees to go out on the boat with him to the lab because the lab's out in the middle of the swamp. Yes. We find out here that he's investigating biological abnormalities within the swamp for Sunderland. Yeah, that has been what he's hired to do. Yep. They get to the lab and it's kind of raised off of the swamp. You have to climb a ladder up, to, up, up into it. Yeah. And we find out that Alec has a dog. His name is Garu. Which is somehow tied to werewolves, but I don't quite remember how. Lagaru is like giant wolf monster that terrorized the city in France. I, I don't know. I don't think the dog has any meaning from my odd knowledge of DC. I know that Swamp Thing's dog is originally called Mutt. Okay, so I got nothing here. <laughs> I mean, I just like the naming because... Oh yeah, it, they're in a swamp and its name is Garu. Oh, no, no, I really like the naming because the main character, Abby um, Arcane... He played a character named Allison Argent in Teen Wolf, and the Argent family were the family that killed Lagaru, La which was the giant wolf monster that was terrorizing the city in France where the Argent family was originally from in the, in the 1500s. Uh, okay, you can have your own weird, nerdy knowledge and love you enjoy from that, I guess. I just know the dog was originally called Mutt. And I know now it's called Garou, and it's... <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> So he shows her this abnormality that he's found in the swamp um, water. It's this goldish liquid that separates from the water when you do science to it. I mean, clearly he put it in um, a centrifuge. Yeah, so when you do science to it, the water and the goldish liquid separate. Yeah, I, I guess we can just refer to it as science stuff. Look, we don't know for sure that was a centrifuge. They never explained that. and it... He took it out of a centrifuge. I've seen the machine before. <laughs> 
It's science. You do science and you break the liquids apart. Okay, it, it, he did science stuff. I think he hammered them and they broke apart. I don't know, guys. And then he's like, look, this is what this abnormalic fluid does. And he takes a small sample of Spanish moss, yes. sticks it in a container, and then puts three drops of this abnorm- abnormality, which I'm going to start calling accelerant, onto the moss. And this is why I'm going to call it accelerant. The moss starts growing like crazy and almost breaks its um, containment container. Yes. Before Alec hits it with what seems to be nitrogen. Yeah. Mind you, he does have a slow response time because he's just staring at it in fascination. Yeah. We also learn here that he's been in the swamp for about seven months now, mapping out where this... Biologic accelerant that appears to only affect mutagens. Can be found in the swamp, yeah. Yeah. So then Abby, like, state, half states and half questions that this is why he wanted to inspect the blood samples. Like, because yeah. you're looking for something that's affecting mutagens. It's just, like, obviously. So like, then the two of them agree to head back to the hospital and meet up there. And they also, on their way, getting ready to head back, I think they get a call or a text. I, I think they get a call on their way back that Khalil's body is ready for autopsy. Oh, yeah, that's right before they agree to go back. Yeah. Um, and he, they, they plan to meet later because first he goes to a town hall meeting. Yeah, they don't, they don't say anything about planning to meet later. They just plan to meet later, apparently, because he has to stop by the emergency town hall meeting. Fun fact, emergency town hall meeting. What do you think is going to be the general consensus or state of feeling for most people in an emergency town hall meeting? Worry, panic, concern. You brought up the money with all of those. People are feeling all of those are emotions. And the mayor, of course, has no fucking control of the situation. So, we immediately have to see control over to who? Avery Sunderland. Exactly. But my, the rich no, guy. Hold on, hold on. My, <laughs> there's a guy in the crowd, and he is my favorite character in this first episode because the mayor is like, the CDC is doing everything they can to figure out what's wrong and stop the spread of this illness. And the guy's like, we know what what's wrong. We know what the spread of this illness is. The swamp is angry. <laughs> It's the swamp getting payback or something because he talks about how people coming in, cutting down trees, dumping stuff. The swamp is angry. I mean, his statement sounds like bullshit. Keep in mind, this is a swamp thing, though. Yeah, no, 100%. The swamp's not angry enough yet, though. No, see, it, no, it's it's funny because it's so stupid, but in this one instance, it's the type of stupid that is true. Yeah. Like, in any other show, this guy would be a fucking moron, but in this, he's actually a secret genius. He's like, it's the swamp, it's angry, and everybody's like, what the fuck are you smoking? And he's like, no, I've seen it, magic swamp shit. Well, I assume he's smoking marijuana affected by the biologic <laughs> uh, accelerant. Um... Yeah, yeah. then Sunderland kind of rests control of the town hall meeting, and he's like, look, if you guys don't have money for doctors, talk to me. I'll take care of it. I've taken care of this town for all these years. No, no, no. This is my town, too. And then people are criticizing about how he's funding a lab instead of doing anything else. And he returns by pointing out that his family, his history, they all have ties to the swamp, and he's looking to the swamp to create opportunities in the future. No, his first retaliation to them isn't isn't I'm looking to make this town more wealthy. His first, his first response is, well, fuck you, I could have left. No, no, that's the second one. That is the second one. Because his first one ends with that whole um, a rising tide still raises all the boats. And then one guy, I don't remember what, says some dumb shit. Well, well fuck you, I could have just left, yeah. you know? And then his final response is, 
yeah, but this is where my dad died and where my wife and where my daughter died. And, you know, if I were any of you and so much younger, I'd get back to work. Because, of course, leave it to the rich pieces of shit to establish you should work. I don't have to, but you should. Capitalism, at its finest. Yeah. If he was 20 years younger, he wouldn't fucking be working. He'd be rolling around in his money still like an asshole. Yeah. Then, after the meeting has finished, Alex speaks with Sunderland. He kind of meets him in the crowd. Yeah. And he's like, did you get my email about the, my findings? The findings of today? And Sunderland's like, I got your email. Yeah. But what the fuck good. are you doing? I fired you two weeks ago. Yeah, I my main question here is, if you fired him two weeks ago, how the fuck is he still getting in the lab? Did you not take the keys back? Nothing? Because he has a dog in the fucking lab. Yep. It's funny, because up until the next episode, I honestly just thought he lived in the lab. Yeah, I had the same two. Mm-hmm. So at first two. But um the two of them kinda get into an argument. Alex is like, whatever this abnormality is, it's causing mutagen growth at an exponential rate and it could be causing this sickness. And Sunderland's like, This town's seen sickness before. Sickness ain't nothing new. We survived the outbreak in eighty six, we survived the outbreak in ninety two, and we'll su- survive this one too. Yeah. And Sunder like Alex protesting stuff and Sunderland responds. This town doesn't need a panic. And Alec responds, doesn't need an epidemic either. I think he says a pandemic. He says he says epidemic and uh, panic. Pandemic. Okay. An, an epidemic can be just one town. Yeah, yeah, I know. I thought he said pandemic just because the words fit closer together in like re- a call and response sort of formation. Yeah, it's still a nice little comeback. Report. Oh, yeah, no, I definitely enjoyed it. And then we kick over to the morgue where, of course, how do we know we're in the morgue? We have to see the dead body up close. Yeah, it's Mr. Quill's dead body. You know, the one that's half tree, half person. Yeah, uh, the thing that bothered me most about his body, though, is these plants inside of his body are oddly moist because his body looks waterlogged. Like, you just left his body in water for a few days. I mean, we don't know how long he was in the water before the plant walked him back to his house. That is true. And, and honestly, I, and I guess we, if we, the plants grow at an accelerated rate, they might absorb more water at an accelerated rate they would have to to grow we also don't even know anything about how he got back to his house because his boat's still missing and he is filled with plant i mean maybe he used pass through plant i i heard plant people in dc get that as a power Just so my dnd joke whatever Alec or, or my dnd joke your dnd joke was terrible it doesn't explain how he got to his house there were trees around fucking side but it doesn't explain how he got in his house, because he obviously can't pass through plant. You don't know this. Anyways, Alec walks into the morgue, where Dr. Arcane is starting this... Autopsy. And he calls her Dr. Arcane, and she's like, name's Abby, not Dr. Arcane. Which, no, her name is actually Dr. Abigail Arcane. Yeah. She went to school for eight years. She gets a doctor. She does. So while she's doing the autopsy, Alex sets up a testing area to test the new samples that they're going to get from this body. Yep. Um, and they, she pulls basically the first samples she can out of the body and gives them to Alec. And he starts testing them. And I don't like how he tests them. Because he takes this accelerant and drops a drop and another drop and another drop. You think he would just start with one drop, see if anything happens and go from there. Yeah. But he's like... Just 
just gonna keep squeezing yeah. till something you know, happens. There is one thing we learned that kind of, I guess, sets how important it is to figure something out soon, and that is that while the drugs that they're prescribing to kind of offset this are somewhat working, they're not helping a lot, and they're not helping Susie at all. Yep. I still just don't see why you would just essentially continue dumping it on there until something happens. Oh, yeah, no, that's a, that's a stupid decision. That's, I don't understand. That's a bad science. Yeah, no, like, if you're going to do that, you do one drop on one, two drops on another, three drops on another, and watch. But, I mean, you already know what happens when you drop three drops on it. Stick with one, you're fucking sticking underneath the microscope, asshole. Yep. So, when he does this, and he looks in the microscopes, he starts seeing stuff move around and grow... And he calls Abby over to look at it. And he says he gets a reaction. So when Abby turns around, you know what else gets a reaction? Uh, the quill plant zombie corpse. Yeah, we go a whole full-on John Carpenter's The Thing moment. I was thinking, like, Golgari and their plant zombies and... I mean, it, it's much more The Thing when they're doing the autopsy of the guy in The in Thing. Okay. But, so not only does the guy... I, I get the Golgari reference. No. Not only does Doctor Quill, not only does Mister Quill start responding to this droplets on another piece of plant away from him, but so does Susie. Yeah, her medical monitors start freaking out. I would say they say they say she's dying, but I don't know how to read entertainment medical monitors because they're not real. Um. So Doctor Quill essentially stands up and goes all murder murder machine. Just as Susie appears in the doorway and screams dad and then passes out. Yes. And so Abby goes to run to her, gets grabbed, falls down. I don't recall how she breaks away. Um, Alec grabs her hand and pulls her free. And then he distracts the plant zombie wow. so she can run out the door and grab Susie. And carry Susie upstairs. Yeah. And where she yells, I've got a code blue. Which means she is dying. Yeah. And then she... Makes... That's, that's how you know she's dying, Justice. Yeah, no one brings a crash cart, though. She just lays her on a bed and, like... Starts doing chest compressions. Manual chest compressions yep. and somehow saves her. Yep. Um, downstairs in the morgue, Alec now has to fight off a giant plant zombie by himself. So he takes a bottle of rubbing alcohol, a bottle of peroxide, stabs his knife through him, ties him together, slides him across the, the floor to the plant zombie... And then lights the trail of alcohol peroxide leading from him to the plant zombie, setting that thing on fire, blowing it up. And then he watches Mr. Coyle burn for a bit, and then decides it's probably best not to let the hospital burn down, and then puts him up the fire extinguisher. Yeah. So Abby manages to say, get Susie breathing again via those chest compressions and, and zero crash cart. And no fucking assistance from anyone. No, they just stand there looking. Like, they all show panic when they say code blue, and then do nothing. So then we cut to Alec and Abby sitting on a staircase as the fire crew clean up the, cleans up the morgue. Also, I'd like to point out, we see these people later in the hospital just going about their normal business. No one has quarantined Alec, who is around this body. She's not been... Abby's not been quarantined. The firefighters aren't going to be quarantined. They're right around this body. We don't know that fire kills where the but pathogen is. We don't know if he's dead because of a pathogen. He's just got tree in him, Justice. That's technically true, I guess. We don't know he died of the illness. But all the people we saw in the background that she ran past with this really contagious girl, none of them are quarantined. No, you're right on that. But we also, like I said, we don't know if Mr. Coyle died from the illness. He I'd died... like to point out the CDC should probably investigate and then fire Dr. Abigail. She, she doesn't know how to use PPE. 
<laughs> she doesn't. Yeah. Um. So they're sitting on the staircase, and Alex like, "What are we gonna do?" And Abby's like, "We can't just sit here. I'm gonna go see if I can figure anything out." And Alex like, "Does that?" And she she turns to him. And she's like, "Come in with me." And he's like, "Does that include bourbon?" And she kind of looks, and she's like, "Actually, yeah." And the entire time they're doing that whole bullshit TV, like, romance thing where you can tell two people are clearly interested in each other, but none of them say anything or do anything. But we're supposed to assume there's chemistry just because they're both on screen at the same time, sitting in a close space. That's how you have chemistry, Justice. You're two people and you're together. That's chemistry. Damn. I know. I saw some firefighters in the background. Those had chemistry, too. Did they have chemistry with... Alec and no with Abigail. each other with each other, but they were in the same shot as those two. But there was three of the firefighters. They were their own thing. They were uh, thruple. Uh, okay, they were thruple of firefighters. Yes. Oh, all right. So th- they go to meet up with one of Abby's friends. Yep. They go to a bar called Delroy's, and they're looking for a reporter friend of Abby's who might know why Coil was in the swamp. Yes. I don't know why she thinks her friend might know why Coil was in the swamp, but here we get something that makes me happy. And then they expand upon it a bit more. But this is the first moment where they mention Xanadu, also known as Madame Xanadu, who is another DC Comics character who... I, I love the more magic stuff from DC, because it's more entertaining. So I'm just happy to get references to it. So they do meet up with Abigail's friend, Liz. And Liz says she's heard that someone's hiring boats to go out in the middle of the night, but no one knows why. Every step of this episode reads like a poorly constructed role-playing game scenario because you get just enough information to move to the next point without actually getting any information at all. It's a railroad of a plot. Yeah. Because her friend's like, yeah, last I heard, he was headed out to Skeeter Cove. Honestly, I think this episode would be so much better if we just cut the dialogue... And a large portion of everything except them being attacked, basically, from the very opening of the show. I think we need to cut. There's a whole bunch more that needs cut, but... Well, like, here, we would get the information about him going out with his friends to drop off a box. Yeah. Yeah, but... And that neither his boat or his friends have been found. It still reads like a bad D&D plot. Oh, yeah, because then we're just going to go to Skeeter Cove, but... I don't think that's something you can hold just against the show. Every fucking show ever does that. I disagree. This show is particularly... So, so, so many fucking shows do that. This show is particularly... We give you the barest amount of information to tell you that we're going to go in that direction. This show is particularly egregious. That's all I'm saying. This show is particularly egregious about railroading story plot. Anyways, they're getting ready to leave the bar when Miss Sunderland walks in. Mrs. Sunderland. Yes, Maria Sunderland. And she just wants to talk to Abby and makes Abby's friends leave the table. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, by talk, we mean just blame Abby for the death of her daughter. Yep, and try to guilt trip Abby for the death of um, Shauna Sunderland. Again, we still don't know how Shauna died, and... Maria's out of whack, and was at the time of her daughter's death, so some of the shit she says doesn't make sense. Yeah, she says, well, you were partying in your freshman year of college, I was lying in bed with my dying daughter, and... When you were finally choosing your major in your sophomore year, I was finding my way to the bottle. Well, multiple bottles. And so on and so forth. She doesn't say anything for the junior year, but she was like, and when you were graduating and applying to medical school, 
my husband was filing for divorce papers. Yeah. And it's unclear because of stuff that happens later whether or not her daughter was even alive at the time that Abby went to college. Look, I'm just saying there's a bunch of stuff in this episode that doesn't actually seem to stack up. And this is one of them. Marie's kind of... Marie kind of hits me as insane, though. She's kind of me, too. So... After Marie Sunderland makes Abby essentially cry at this table at this bar, Alec and Abby head to Skeeter Cove. They do. And what do they find there? Um, A boat impelled by a giant plant, a laptop on the boat impelled by a giant plant, and so what I don't understand is they find a box on the boat when in that scene in the very beginning, which is, this is another reason why they just needed to cut the dialogue from the first scene, they said that the box they were dropping in Skeeter Cove was the last box, and they dropped it before the boat was attacked. Yeah. I think, though, they may have had two in the boat when they said that, because I think there was something that bothered me when I first watched it. I might be wrong. I'm just saying this is why the dialogue needed cut from that Yeah, no, scene. like, the first scene <laughs> could have had a lot of stuff not in it, and it wasn't necessary. So, we do know that these vines and things are still alive, though, because... When he tries to pull the box out of the boat... They kind of recoil from him, yeah, which is weird because they normally attack everyone else. Yep. I mean, that's basically all they get there. They find that out of the box. They do open it and see what clearly looks like the exact same substance. Yeah, from... but they're like, I don't know what that is. I have no inkling it what that could like be. It looks like an underwater release mechanism of some sort. But I, what's it releasing? I can't. T- it doesn't look like anything I've ever seen before. I can't even speculate. Um, fun fact. Alec is a scientist. He's done a lot more than speculate. Anyways, they head back to the lab so that they can analyze what's ever in this case. I bet you can't guess what's in the case. Puppies. Liquefied puppies. Damn it. How'd you know? I read the comics. Oh. So they get back to the lab. They start the analysis on the chemical from this underwater release mechanism. And, and while they're doing that, they decide to talk and bond. Chemistry. Yeah. Actually, not chemistry. Biology. Alec is a disgraced biologist. We, yeah. know, we know that because Abby Googled him. Yeah, she did. Apparently, he faked or exaggerated results from one of his studies. He, he manipulated some test results to get them to support his theories and bases. And then, of course, because he did that, it's not replicable, and he's been disproven as a hack. Yep. Um, and then she starts talking about her friend Shauna... Who was best? She was best friends with when she was growing up, and then the analysis finishes, and she's just like, "Ah, oh, you know what? Never mind, never mind." And Alex's like, "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa!" You two said, days before what? No, two, no, no. Two days before you graduated high school, what happened? You can't just stop there. That's not fair. And then she's just like, "I killed Shauna." Yeah. Two days before we graduated, I killed her. Shauna's the daughter of the most powerful family in town. Yes. And it doesn't seem like this would be secret knowledge because obviously Marie blames you. So if you actually killed her, there's no way you're not in prison. No, it feels more like a guilt thing. I'm just saying. Which would tie to a flashback earlier when you see Anyways, a bridge that strikes up a memory about a person. The chemical in the box is the same biological accelerant that he was already finding in the swamp. Could you imagine that? Wait, wait, wait. So it's it's getting released into the swamp and then dispersed through the swamp? And then he's finding it but in the swamp water. how is it being dispersed through the swamp? Because the boxes are a dispersal me- a dispersal mechanism. No, no, they're a release mechanism. They said nothing about dispersal. 
So it releases it into the water. But how does it go from that part of the water to the rest of the water? How does water work? Anyways, yeah, it's the same biological accelerant that he already found. Which means somebody's purposely putting the biological accelerant in the swamp and that it's not just naturally occurring like Alec had originally been speculating. Yeah. So they decide that Abby should take this information because they know it affects some things. And the accelerant they found is ten times stronger than his that he managed to reduce down to. So she should go take information to the hospital because it helps. And he'll go find the rest of the boxes. Well, we don't know that he's going to go find the rest of the boxes yet. Because now they talk about the laptop and what they found on the laptop. He's like... The laptop had a bunch of locations marked on it. I bet yeah. it was more of these boxes. And he he's like, "I'm gonna go. Get, I'm gonna go get the boxes. You go to the hospital, and then bada bing, bada boom." Yes. Except that's not what happens because instead we follow Alec out into the swamp while Abby stays in the lab for no apparent reason, and then Alec starts fishing. The I think they only have one boat. No, they have two boats because she sw- she goes out into the swamp right after this because the. Hit- I know, but I think they. I think we only see one boat when they come in. It's literally impossible about what is what's about to happen. Yeah, I know. I, I'm confused though. Like when they come in, I think we only see one boat, and then they include we have two boats, which means she had no reason to not leave. Look, this show has plot holes. Yes, not one, not two, at least three I can think of in two episodes. I can think of two. I'm trying to remember the third one, I probably know it. Um, the first one, actually, at least, well, that, that's just that's just unreliable narrators. Um, yeah. There was one we already talked about. It's the they the people in the boat said this was their last box yeah, yeah, they were yeah, dropping, that one. and there was at least two more in the boat. There is this one where they only have the one boat, but they actually have two boats. Yes. And then there's the one where he le- where he records. Oh yeah 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Yep. So anyways, Alex goes-, goes out and gets murked by unknown peeps while picking up boxes. Oh, he picks up a box. And then he's picking up his second box, and he sees a guy on another boat because a light shines on him. And he's like, hey. And then he gets, then we hear a gunshot and another gunshot, and Alex has been shot in the torso twice. By a shotgun. You can tell the shotgun gets the spring. It picks away at that meat quite a bit. And then Alex falling down on the boat, and the guy on the other boat pulls out a crossbow and shoots an explosive in Alex's boat. And Alex falls over the side of his boat just in time to not get blown up. Dynamite arrows. Best arrows. Alec then crawls through the water of the swamp to a relatively shallow area where he can kind of like breathe without being completely out of the water. And breathe is a strong term for what it sounds like he's doing. <laughs> well, breathe is choking a... on his own blood in water sounds more appropriate. Breathe is a strong term for anything after you've been shot twice in the torso with a shotgun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so while he's wheezing and slowly drowning in blood and swamp water and probably that mud he's crawling on now, we see some vines wrap around his ankles and arms. And he rolls over onto his back, and then he gets pulled down into water. Yep. Yep. And then we cut back to the lab, where Abby, who hasn't left for the hospital, sees the giant explosion outside from the bl- from the dynamite arrow blowing up Alex's boat. Yeah. Which, a single stick down, is not going to cause that big of a fiery explosion. It will cause a large explosion, but not so fiery. That was such a large burst of fire that we could see from the lab. Right? Anyways, she How hops in enough. How much was in that fucking boat? She she hops it. Well, no, what we don't know is the accelerant is also explosive. Actually, I think according to the comics, that is a thing. That's why his lab goes up so easily. <laughs> I think it actually is flammable. I'm joking, but sure. Yeah, yeah, no, I know you are. But I think it's actually flammable according to the comics bullshit. 
Well, he is laying in the swamp, dying and getting covered in vines. Abby hops in another boat and look, goes looking for his exploded boat. Yeah. She finds the area, and then some vines attack her, knock her out of her boat, and she makes her way to the dryish land. It, it, to me, it looked like the vines looked like they were... Because it looked like they came up in like two sections of like almost hands. Because mm-hmm. the boat gets pushed down on one end. A hundred percent. Like someone's trying to climb up into the boat. It's supposed to be a swamp thing fake out. But it's just vines again. Yeah. There's no swamp thing yet. But we did see on her way out there, we saw Alec underwater and there were like vines digging into his flesh like through his face. Yeah. And in my opinion, poorly chosen red lighting because the red is an entirely different thing, people. Yeah. He's not, he doesn't get the power to change into no, animals. No, it's, it's red light like that because of the fire filtering through yeah, the water. Yeah, the red is really, really bad. But. And it kind of pulsates. She makes now. her way on a dry land and then vines start chasing her. But cease to shape her when a man covered in vines and mud emerged from the water. Well, she goes to like brush through some things. And I think there's a body there. There's a body there. Yes. I have no idea who the body is. Neither do I. It's just a body. It doesn't seem relevant. They don't bring it up ever again. Like, is it supposed to be the guy that got pulled underneath the water? Maybe. It could be the third guy. Yeah. yeah. And and then she turns around and boom. We swamp see thing. Swamp thing. Crawling up out of the mook. And that's the end of this episode. The Swamp Thing terrifies her. She runs off. Episode ends. Yep. Good job. That was it. Justice, how do you feel about this episode? I mean, I like the nods to other dark DC characters just because they're not in other DC stuff. Like, when we get nods, it's never about the cool characters. It's about the shitty characters that no one cares about. That's true. There are definitely some issues that we talked about. Continuity errors? Yeah. I am still definitely on board to watch it, though, just because I love me my magically side of DC, and I want to see how they're going to do the magically side of DC with the characters that they have. I'm there with you. I love everything to do with the Dark Justice League and the magic side of DC Universe. Yeah. Oh, also, I just really want to know if Matt Cable will ever be like Matt in the comics, because shit goes crazy with that guy. But that's where my agreement with you ends. I'm, I, I love the magic side of... DC oh, and oh, the wait, Dark I Justice have one last thing to say. Okay. The Swamp Thing, the Swamp Thing design looks fucking awesome. It does. It looks so swamp good. Swamp Thing looks amazing. Too bad this episode is a slog, slow, plot holes, and it feels like it's a drip feed of an episode. Like, it goes so slow. And I know we had commercials because we watched it on the CW yeah. streaming service. We had to go to that one commercial like four times. But it still went so much longer than it felt like it should. This episode is actually about an hour long without commercials. I don't know if it counts the commercials in the runtime. It does. It's 59 minutes without commercials, an okay. hour and 13 minutes with commercials. Okay. Um, It doesn't need an hour of runtime. You could probably condense this down to 50 minutes. Yeah. I Like like I was saying earlier, I think one of its main problems is it wants to be a show about Swamp Thing. Mm-hmm. But... It's really hard to make a relatable show about a giant creature and follow that narrative. So they're trying to set up Abigail as the protagonist 100%. while also still establishing Swamp Thing. And I don't think any of the showrunners figured out how to do that in an episode. No, 100%. And like, I'm not saying, obviously, we're not editors or directors or producers, but just cutting the dialogue and some of the first scene away would have made this episode feel better. I think so, yeah. Because it would have been more, you would have, you would have you would have got more revelations and learned more from the actual characters doing stuff, yeah, rather than from the exposition at the forefront of the episode. And that's just two literally nobodies coming up with a way to make this episode feel like it runs smoother. Yeah, hindsight's twenty twenty, but, but 
it, he, it, it's a slog. I don't know how anybody who was test watching this footage didn't sit down and think this feels kind of like a slog to get through. Maybe, maybe, maybe it being a slog is supposed to be immersive. Nah. <laughs> but it's a bad choice. Yeah. Um, but I, I love Crystal Reed. Like she, Abby Arcane as an actress, she did amazing in Teen Wolf. I actually was really sad when she left that show. Yeah. But, and she does good in this show too so far. So I think honestly, just on the fact that I have seen this episode twice, unlike you, mm-hmm. I think this the second time it definitely was much more of a slog for me than the first time, and I I can tell you why I got through the first episode the way I did. Without as much of a problem. One, I was mildly distracted by people replacing a water heater. <laughs> Two, whenever it was getting sloggy enough, they referenced something that would capture my attention and make me wonder about how that would handle in the future. Whether it was Matt, Xanadu, or any of that shit, I was like, huh, I wonder. And it would carry me off for a moment. I just said that. I and could... then the whole coil and the morgue with the very heavy thing vibes for me obviously did something for me because the thing is my favorite horror movie i was like yes i just i'm down with that i wish i could have liked this episode because i do like the source material and i like the casting other than alec he's kind of boring yeah but i mean when when you know you're gonna replace him out for a giant hulking dude anyways that's my take on the first episode i thought it was boring i wouldn't watch any more after this if i didn't have to like, I would. That, that feels pretty damning, but it, it is pretty damning, actually. The fact that I say I wouldn't watch any more of this, because I love dark yeah. DC. But the issue is there's so many good things to watch that a show that takes us that takes this much effort to get through probably isn't worth the effort. But you had to watch another episode, so let's, let's get to that. So we go to Swamp Thing Episode 2, Worlds Apart. And we open up, a sh- we open up this episode on a shot of the Swamp Thing pulling himself out of the swamp. Yes, clambering up to the land, and then we see some police boats back in the distance and hear the sirens, and we look up to an aerial view to the burning boat, and then zoom in from there to Matt and Abby talking about what the fuck just happened. Yep. Which what the fuck just happened was, Alec got murked in a boat. Yeah, and then the sheriff shows up, and Matt and the sheriff beginning, begin to talk about the potential of this being an accident, which yeah. kind of pisses Abby off. She's like... Yeah, Matt's like, it must have just been a random strike in the boat, which... My fucking god, man. When does a boat go up like that from a random spark? Yeah, Abby interrupts, but is quickly shut off by the, like, cut off by the sheriff. Um, who later we'll learn is actually Matt's mother. Yeah, and the, the sheriff just, like, immediately shuts her down. She's like, yeah, you're totally right. It was definitely something. And she references... Matt references a bear, and she's like, yeah, a bear came down from Canada, but whatever. Yeah, because Abby reports seeing the swamp thing, and mm-hmm. um, he's like, we get boar in the swamp all the time, and she's like, not a boar. It was on two feet. It was man-shaped, and he's like, well, maybe a bear? Yeah. So the sheriff notifies the other police officers, but in, like, a pedantic, joking, like, I'm definitely fucking taking a condescending the method. shit yeah. out yeah. of this. Yeah, yeah. And when Abby looks like she's going to say something more, she su- she shuts Abby down by just, like, referencing something about Abby's past. That is, some things just happened in the swamp. You should know better than most. Yeah. Then we cut back to the swamp thing. And he is in the swamp, kind of tearing at himself. He's freaking the fuck out. And Susie, we, and this, this scene is cut back and forth between him and Susie. 
Susie's in a hospital bed mirroring his exact actions. Yeah, like, he's tearing away at his arm, like, ripping chunks of it out. And she pulls out her IV and such. Yeah. I mean, luckily, what I thought was going to happen in this next part, where he literally rips a chunk out of his head, I was like, is the little girl, like, going to, like, rip out hair? She doesn't. She just, like, pulls at it. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming that's because they don't want to show, like, that. Because that, that's, like... I guess kind because of that for a young child. Because that would have been more interesting, and this show doesn't do interesting. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, after Susie freaks out and Swamp Thing freaks out, we get a splash screen with the word Swamp Thing on it, because we don't get the full opening on each episode. Because that would also give us too much. So, we see Abby waking up at... I've no, entered, no, she's at I, her friend's house. I've entered into full shit, shit on this show mode. Um, again, I don't hate this show. I'm just going to make that clear. Like, yeah. it just there's some bad things and you're not gonna you're not gonna dump on it like i am that that's true because <laughs> i will mention the bad things but they don't stop me from enjoying the show so yeah we cut back to abby and she's now with her reporter friend liz and they're literally just talking about alec and how alec seemed like a good guy mm-hmm. honestly i think this conversation goes on for too long because they've known him for like a fucking day and a half i'm like not even a day and a half yeah one day they met him this morning yeah so i I don't give a shit about this conversation, honestly. Maybe not even this morning. It could have been at, like, noon. They could yeah. have, they could know him for less than 12 hours. That's how... Yeah, I don't give a shit about this conversation. Like, I I can understand Liz's approach, which is, he seemed like a decent guy. And then we have fucking Abby there, like, all upset. I'm like, you don't even fucking know the guy. If you're upset, it should be about the fact that you now don't have access to his lab. Yes. <laughs> so, then we cut over to Harlan, and he's going into Susie's room. And he's not wearing goggles, by the way. And he immediately pulls down his mask to ask a question. Well, I mean, we did forget something in the previous scene. Did we? Um, yeah, Liz and Abby. Liz is letting Abby stay at her place. That oh, was yeah, the yeah. thing, and that actually vaguely kind of yeah doesn't matter. Uh, uh, yeah, not really. The only thing that matters is for the wake up scene, but it doesn't matter where the fuck she wakes up when she still has a fucking nightmare. Mm-hmm. So, Doctor Edwards enters into Susie's room. Yeah, and he's like, "Did you have a nightmare last night? We have some weird stuff." And she's like. It wasn't a nightmare. The man in the dark is scared and needs help. He's confused. He doesn't know what's happening to him. And Edwards is like, yeah, that was a dream. You need some rest. Go back to sleep. I'm yeah. going to leave right now and not zip this back up. Yeah, and then the camera focuses on a tree tapping against the glass. So that's obviously going to be a way where she gets the fuck out because that was obvious from the get-go, right? Yeah, you know, 100%. So then we cut to Sunderland, Mr. Sunderland. Tossing and turning to his bed, and he wakes up and his wife is missing. So he's kind of fast walking around, I guess. It's hard to tell. He's old. I can't tell if he's walking at a normal pace or a fast walk for an old man. Yeah, he then and he ends up finding Marie in their daughter's bed. Um, the two talk for a moment about their dead daughter, and then he leaves, and this scene does literally nothing. I mean, uh, the mother insinuates that she cares more about their daughter than he does. Cool. I mean, that's like the only thing it does. It does nothing for the scene. Yeah. Like, I mean, it does nothing for the show. Like, No, it just sets the fact that she's sleeping in her daughter's room. For but she like, already said she does. She said she did. So this implies she's relapsing because Abby's here. It kind of does something. You're just, I just don't think you give enough fucks at that point. I just don't think that that's important enough to like... I mean, it shows a deteriorating mental health. Okay. That's my take on it. Like, I think... I think the next Marie... I don't think we need well. as long fucking walking around or them talking. I think the next scene sets up Marie's mental health declining well enough. But yeah, I think so too, but I think it, I, 
I think that just goes to it. I don't think it's nece- as necessary to it, but I think it does. I don't think it's completely unnecessary. So, we cut to Abby laying in her bed, and a f- her phone rings, and she reaches over for her phone. And then a zombie hand grabs her, and it's an undead Shauna calling Abby's name. And then Abby wakes up, and her phone's actually ringing, and it's, it's Harlan. They have new patients. And they have a fucking epidemic. Of course, they have new patients. And Susie had ni- a nightmare last night. Yeah. Yep. Two new patients. We're up to six. Yeah, so Abby goes to get coffee. And she meets Margot, Liz's girlfriend. Yes. And... It's just a morning of banter before she leaves. Like, it's nothing of mild banter. I have to assume Margot and Liz are more important in future episodes, or this scene also does literally nothing. I would assume so. Like, it's early in the show. I guess they're just trying to introduce as many people as they fucking can. No, 100%. Like, I I didn't call this scene out for doing nothing like I did the previous scene. Like, in my notes, I don't say this scene does nothing. Um, because I think we're actually introducing characters here. Like, yeah. 100% okay. And then Liz and Abby are talking, and Abby's trying to figure out what the fuck she needs to do to get information about Alec and Alec's research. She asks Liz if she thinks his murder was an accident, if his death was an accident, and she's like, I'm a reporter. I'm suspicious of everything. Yeah. And she's like, well, I need to get into his lab. And Liz is just like, well, police are police already there. there. And Abby's like, yeah, but there's somebody I can talk to that can fix that. His boss, and Liz is like, Sunderland's a manipulative asshole. You know that. Yeah, Liz says this is a bad idea. So we immediately cut to Abby pulling into Sunderland's estate. Yep. And Sunderland, unlike his wife, seems happy to see Abby. Yeah, he's so happy to see her. He gives her a hug. He asks her if she wants anything to drink. Basically, from the get-go, is trying to stop her from doing TDC at work and job stuff. Yeah, she's like, I'm here for business. And he's like, yeah, but first. first. But first, I need you to sit down. Because when you left, when you did, it's like I lost two daughters, not just one. Yeah, but we do find out that he and Marie took Abby in when she was eight years old. Yes. And essentially raised her as their own daughter for ten years. All that did was give me hopes that her father is dead and is going to become back as a necromancy zombie. I'm sorry. I just want that. And so he's like, I should have stood up for you. Uh, Marie blamed you. And I never did, but I should have st- stopped Marie from taking it out on you like she did. I'm sorry, da 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 And she's like, that's cool. I need to get into your lab. Can I get into your lab? It could be really important to see to see work. I have reason to believe it can help. And Sunderland's like, ah, eh, but there's proprietary knowledge. No, no, no. From my lawyer's tell me, that stuff's full of proprietary information. Yeah, and he's like, if that stuff gets out in the world, I can't ever get it back. And I've wasted millions of dollars. So, don't think I can let you in there. And she's like, I could just get a warrant. And he's but, like, and she's like, but by the time I get the warrant, the proprietary knowledge could be gone. And he's like, it could be. Yep. Yeah. So. And then he closes it out by saying like, well, no matter what, how that turns out, you'll always have a place here. And she's like, you always had a way of making a favor, making a nail sound like a favor. He's a dick. Anyways, yeah. he got to the hospital where Susie has now climbed out of her window. It kind of looks like the window was broken, Whoa. but I'm not for sure. You skipped the part where it talks about Marie. Oh, Sun- I just missed an entire paragraph yeah, in my notes. Yeah, yeah. I'm My apologies. We, we get more Madame Xanadu. So we, they we, haven't referred to as Madame yet, but fuck you, we, she is. We move to Mrs. Sunderland walking into a, I don't know what, what, what to call it. It's a room with a table and Xanadu who's sitting there. Yeah. Xanadu was briefly introduced to the last episode. We, we, we all know that now because Justice already blew his load over it. Yeah. Yeah, I did. And when I say briefly introduced, I mean... Was on, screen, her name. was on screen for half a second. and they, they, She wasn't on screen, they just had her name. No, she was on screen oh, for half she? a second. Yeah. I missed her. 
Yeah. I just started the name. Mm-hmm. So Marie Sunderland is asking Xanadu for some kind of favor. Xanadu is super hesitant to do yeah, so. Marie is saying like she's still in pain over her daughter's death and she can hear her. Mm-hmm. And so eventually Xanadu concedes and she sits Marie down and she's like, okay, think about Shauna. Think about how you felt for about her. Think about how she died. And Xanadu like kind of touches Shauna, uh, Marie's face. And then she's a, she sees a flash of corpse Shauna. Zombie Shauna, whatever you want to call her. And then Xanadu falls to the ground, screaming, having a, what seems like a seizure. Yes. And then the scream ultimately results in like an unleash of magical powers, and Marie gets thrown against a wall. Could it have just been the sonic could it just been the sonic vibrations of the scream? Yeah, I don't think she has that power. <laughs> but yeah, no. Um some of a psychic energy or magic or sonic esque yeah. attack. Watching Maria flying into the wall. And then Xanadu is going off to Marie about how she should just let it be. Something's off. The balance is throwing off. There's death and rot in the water. Something which... dark and fast and growing is what yeah. she says. And she mentions rot in the water, which she does. She uses that word because my, okay. my brain caught on to it because that's another name for the black, the green's big evil. I didn't remember that, but sure. I, I, I can see it to you. Yeah, yeah. She mentions it because my mind caught onto the word rock because we're watching Swamp Thing stuff. And then we cut to the hospital where Susie has climbed out of her window and it kind of looks like the window's broken. And Harlan walks into the um, room to find that she's gone. And that's the hospital scene done. Liz and Abby are going to Holland's place. I don't think we needed that scene. I don't want to be that guy. No, I but don't think so either. I think all we needed the was the text pan- message later. Yeah, and I mean, <laughs> it, it was more than obvious how she fucking got out. Like, we camera pan to the fucking window where we saw a tree tapping. We had no reason to linger on that unless she was going to use it later. Like, yeah, like, I think... I agree, that scene was unnecessary. I think this scene is literally, our viewers are so dumb, herder. Yeah, no, that scene was completely pointless. So Liz and Abby are going to Holland's place, or at least the place he's been renting. Mm-hmm. And he's renting a room from a Daniel Cassidy. Which we who, hear arguing, it sounds like, with someone in the background when we first show up. Who, yeah, we're gonna... Who, Justice is gonna jizz over for a second. Justice, do you want to take this away, Daniel yeah. Cassidy? So they go in, and this guy comes out, and they're like, who are you talking to? He's like, nobody, I was rehearsing a role. And he points out that he's an actor, and we see a poster on the side, and it's Blue Devil. So uh, if you don't know, Blue Devil is another DC character. And the movie is at like an 86% on Rotten Tomatoes. 83% on Rotten Tomatoes. 83% on Rotten Tomatoes. That's a respectable percentage. Yeah, in their role. I don't think there's an actual Blue Devil movie. I, I don't think so. There might be. I could be wrong, but I don't think so. But Blue Devil is a character who was a stuntman, actor, who did all his own stunts, had a technological suit, and they uh, think a trident, and uh, one location got attacked by a demon who thought he was an actual demon, because his outfit was so fancy, got bonded to it, eventually got turned into a demon. Anyways, they just have another fun, magic-y based character in there, so I'm happy with that. Can I ask a question? Yeah. Is any of that relevant to this episode? They have the Blue Devil poster. <laughs> That's relevant. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so we get a character who is a reference to another character in the DC verse, who may or may not be an actual version of that character. I mean, I I hope it is. And we find out that Alec was renting a room from him, and that they can't they're not gonna find anything in there because the cops were here twenty minutes ago. Yeah, or an hour ago, and they were in and out in twenty minutes. That's what it was. Yeah, I think Abby actually had a laptop, and Cassie just says. He, he was so poor he didn't have his own laptop. They took it back when he was... Fired, yeah. So sometimes he uses mine. Yeah. He, he uses mine to upload his journals most days. And 
So he gives Abby his laptop and opens up the folder that has all of Alex's journal entries. Yes. And we learn that they're vlog journals, not just like written journals, they're video entries. Yeah, he appears to be doing videos as he's out doing stuff. And this is plot hole number three in the two episodes because we get the first video entry that she looks at, which is sometime before Abby ever came to town. And it's him getting fired. Which is perfectly fine. So it's two weeks ago in the timeline. Yeah. And then she looks at another video entry in his journal, and it's from literally yesterday when he was in the swamp pulling the crates out of the water. Yeah. He mentions that they know someone is putting the biologic um, the accelerant out there, and that they have to find the boxes, which that dead sets it to right before he fucking left, which means it has to be going on while he's picking up the boxes. Yeah, so that in the timeline, that means... It's after they found out that the biological accelerant was in those boxes, after he left to go pick up those boxes, and before he blew up. Yeah, and the video ends as he's pulling one out, which makes it look like it got cut off. So, which, because both his hands are busy, we can't assume that whatever way he's uploading this is by, like, from where he is to a fucking drive on the fucking cloud. Because, one, he's in the middle of the swamp, that's going to be really fucking hard. Well, also, specifically... Daniel was like, he uses this to edit and upload his things. Yeah, so that already causes us a problem. We know it can't be a drive situation either, though, because of that. And also, he's not messing with whatever he's using to record this when it stops. Also, it's not dark out in that vlog, even though it was dark out the entire time within yeah, the episode. Yeah, it's like late afternoon, it looks like. <laughs> it doesn't fit. This scene yeah. never happened. There was no room for it to happen. Um, after the video, Abby's tearing up because he gave her a compliment in the video. Yeah, he was, he's like, oh yeah, we. Um, so I met this doctor, Abigail Arcane, and she's smart, and she's cute, and I kind of like her, but... Except not nearly in those words, and much more vague, could literally just be a compliment you give someone, because you're like, I met this new person who seemed kind of cool, I complimented them as a person, not as anything more than that, but whatever. He says he fancies her. Oh, did he? Yeah, he says something like he that like he fancies her or something along those lines. I, I don't know, man. He didn't feel like shit to cry over. <laughs> no, it, it's 100% not. And it's even better because this scene doesn't possibly exist within the timeline. Yeah. So she tears up and then she sees the message about Susie being gone. What, what she should be tearing up over is how this is a rip in the timeline. And that means Flash has to be somewhere nearby. Maybe that's what happened, Josh. Maybe they're already setting up to put Flash in Swamp Thing. I hate, I hate this scene so much because... That's also why there was an extra box on the boat. I hate you. <laughs> I hate you so much. So we cut to a couple getting out of a car outside of the Sunderlands. And we learned this couple is the Woodrows. Okay, okay. So Jason Woodrow is also known as Floronic Man or Plant Man. And uh, he's partially responsible for Poison Ivy even having plant-based powers. He becomes a plant villain. Yeah. Okay. So we meet. We you meet thought co- I was done with that stuff. <laughs> we meet this couple, the Woodrows, and we learn that the melt, the, the the husband of the couple, Mister, sorry, Doctor Jason Woodrow, Floronic Man, is the one who developed the accelerant. That they've been summoned to the Sunderlands though, because Mister Sunderland's like, hey. Yeah, bitches, your stuff is causing people to get sick. Fix it. Yeah. And Dr. Woodrow is like, nope, not possible. Oh, yeah, well, like, the entire time up until he got to talking to Sunderland, he was, like, bad-mouthing the guy, talking about how he's basically a fucking idiot, 
And his wife is constantly telling him, don't talk down to him. Don't insult him. He's giving you money. Don't be a dick. We, we also learn why they made the accelerant here, though. It's to make the trees and plants in the swamp grow faster so they absorb more of the water so the land isn't bogged down with water and it's more available for development. And honestly, such a stupid reason. Yeah. Anyways, um, Dr. Woodrow spends this entire scene claiming that the accelerant can't make people sick. And Sunderland just assures him, if I fucking go down, you're going down with me, bitches. Yep. We cut back to Abby and Matt. They're talking about Susie, and have, Susie having gone missing. And they get a call from the docks where a dock worker found her hospital wristband. Yeah. So she may have gone to the dock. So then we see them at the dock. And we find out that Susie stole away on a game warden's boat. And gang, I guess where the game warden's boat was headed. I don't even know what it's called. Skeeter Cove, right? That's right, viewer, listener. It was Skeeter Cove. Where her dad's boat is. Oh my. And the dead body. Yeah, and the dead body. Um, more importantly, though, we actually cut to the game warden's boat. And the game there's an announcement coming over the police band on the radio. And the game warden just turns off his fucking it, radio. It's like, Susie Cool's gone missing and she's suspected of being... And he's like, click... Because you know, if if he had listened, if he had actually listened, there'd be no plot. If he had just stopped and been like, "Oh, yeah. Susie Quills is suspected to be on a game warden's boat that left the docks." Idiot at, plots, baby. He'd be like, "Oh, she's probably on my boat. I should look around and take my boat back." Yeah, but no, he turns yeah. off the radio because he's a terrible, terrible member of law enforcement. All mem- all members of law enforcement are terrible. A cab, fuck you. Is a game warden a cop? Game warden is a cop. They're the worst kind of cop. Okay. They don't even enforce laws that matter, Justice. Yeah, no, I've, I've heard them, like, bitching about pointless shit. For everything I know about my time living in rural Indiana, a game warden's more likely to abuse their power than an actual cop is. Oh, yeah, no, I know a guy who, like, sold a small strip of land to the government so they could put telephone poles there, and he was handicapped, so I'd be like, I gotta drive this four-wheeler across, like, three feet of fucking land to get to my land on the other side of it. And a game warden stopped him one day because he was driving a four-wheeler on government property. He's like, I fucking sold you this property. I can't walk across this. And it's like an hour to drive a fucking around it. Uh, anyways, that's me complaining about game wardens and how this particular game warden is a piece of shit. Yeah, yeah. sorry. Um, so he sees some people out in the swamp. And so I'm surprised. He does call this in. Which is weird because he turned his radio off, but he turns it back in to call this mm-hmm. in. He's like, and, and so I asked him if he needs any help, and he's just like, no, it's probably just people going off of the gator limit. So he goes to investigate. Yep. Um, and there, he's in, he, what, the people here he's investigating are two guys out here picking up the boxes out of the water for Sunderland. Yep. The game warden stops them, boards their boat, starts asking... No, he doesn't board their boat. He, he, yeah. he pulls up right next well, to Well, the him. thing is, like, like, it was hard for me to tell at first, too, because we're on like, the upper half, and it looks like he stepped over a boat. Over yeah, yeah. edge. And, and then when he gets... You he, know. he might have stepped over and just fallen back in his boat when... when... Anyways. It doesn't work from the position he was standing. Yeah. So he pulls up next to their boat, and he's talking to them, and he sees the box, and he's like, what's in the box, fellas? And the one guy... What's in the box? The one guy is trying to handle this in a decent manner. The other dude... Just fucking stabs the game warden in the throat with a spear. Was it a spear? I think so. I don't know what else it could have been. It was I, a gi- I thought it might be like a gigging fork. It was, that's a spear. A gigging fork is a spear. No, no, no. It's split. It's not just a spear. <laughs> he gets stabbed in the throat by a, by a long piece of wood with a sharp bit. Yeah. Um, or two sharp bits. 
And honestly, this game warden deserves it. He yeah. is the reason there's an idiot plot, and I hate him with a passion. Mm-hmm. Although, sad for Susie, who is still away <laughs> on this boat and watches the game warden get stabbed in the throat. <laughs> yeah, this very sick little girl just sees a game warden fall almost directly in front of her eye, in front of her face, like legitimately. Yeah, from the way she's hiding, just bleeding out now. So the two guys that were pulling the boxes decide to split up. The one who murked the game warden. We'll stay here and sink the ship. Yeah, we'll take the warden's boat, sink the ship, and dispose of the body. Well, the other guys got to go finish collecting the boxes. Yeah. Before the scene actually changes, though, we see the swamp thing nearby open his eyes while he's laying in water. Yes. Oh, and by the way, um, just so we, we make sure we establish this, Susie's been on the game warden's boat this entire time. Yeah. If he had answered his radio, this wouldn't be a plot. So then we go over to Abby and Matt, and they're headed into the swamp. And the sheriff is berating Matt because he's putting his trust into Abby. Yeah, she's basically telling him not to get attacked. She's not going to be around. She's going to leave after this. It's a bad idea. You've yeah, had a crush, crush on, on her, her for, years. for years. But it doesn't matter. Blah, also, blah, blah, blah. Also, we learn here that the sheriff is Matt's mom. Yes. Okay. Matt and Abby head out into the swamp looking for Susie. Yeah, and they're just talking about how she's here. And Matt implies that she seemed as if she was drawn back to this place. Because this place seems to draw people back to it. And then he's like, hey, you remember when we were kids? Yeah, I had a crush on you. Because, you know, when you're searching for a lost child who's direly ill, you should be going, Hey, I'm going to confess my feelings for you right now. This is the best time and place for it. A hundred percent. Well, yeah, it's a dangerous moment. He's trying to get that suspension bridge effect on. So, uh, he's like, but you had a nail, right? Girls also know. She's like, no. And that's basically the end of that scene. I kind of hate him after that scene. I'm gonna be. I'm not gonna be. I'm not gonna lie to you. I kind of hate Matt after that scene. Oh, guy does some weird shit in comics. I'll let you. I'll, I'll talk to you about that after this. The viewers probably don't need to hear it. So we get another moment of the swamp thing growling, and then we cut to the guy who murdered the game warden trying to unload the body into the water. Yeah, he's just trying to jump it over. And so while he's doing that, Susie's like, "Now it's the perfect time to bail." But she didn't factor in something. When you jump out of a boat into water. It makes a pretty loud splash. Yeah, she didn't time it to go with when he dumped the body over, which is when you should do it. Or she could have lowered herself in gently. Like, nah. That requires a body strength she doesn't have. Anyways. She's sick. Anyways. Obviously, he's like, oh shit. Somebody saw me kill this dude. I better grab my killing spear. No, he grabs a machete out of a box. Oh yeah, he left his killing spear on the boat. Yeah, so he grabs a machete and he sees her running on some land after she swam out of the water, and he yells at her and starts chasing her. Yeah. He also abandons the boat in the dead body. Yeah, and then she stumbles in this water and starts headed after, like, it looks like some a submerged, half-submerged building of some mm-hmm. sort. Um, and about this time, Matt and Abby find the game warden's boat, and they find the game warden who's been stabbed through the throat and is somehow still alive. Although, don't worry, viewers... He won't be by the end of this episode. There's no way he's yeah, alive no. by the end of this episode. So, um, while they're standing there trying to figure out what to do, another boat goes in by. So, Matt's like, what should I? And Abby's like, go. I'll stay here with him. Yeah. You should go after that boat. Susie might be on that boat. Yep. So, we cut to the guy who stabbed the game warden. He's chasing Susie. Yes. Um, and he chases her right into that abandoned house. And then Susie's screaming alerts Abby, who's like, oh, fuck, that's Susie. Yes, you're dying, and yes. I have medical supplies, and I'm a doctor, but... Well, I did swear to Maria Sunderland I wouldn't let this little girl die. So I'm going to go save her. You bleed out. It's okay. Uh, 
So the guy manages to break in through the building because Susie has swum swam underneath and hidden inside of it through a small hole that she could get in. Mm-hmm. So he breaks through a window and comes in. She climbs up on it like, I can't tell what it's supposed to be. It looks like maybe it was like a, a grain storage area on like a ceiling before. No, no. What matters here it's is, building. is he yells at her a little bit. And as he menaces her, Swamp Thing shows up. Yeah. He like goes to climb up there, gets pulled down briefly. And when he turns around, there's nothing there. Mm-hmm. So he's turning, he's turning, boom, Swamp Thing. And he kind of stabs and hacks that Swamp Thing a bit with his machete. Yeah. And Swamp Thing kind of, like, throws the dude. Yeah, and then, then Swamp Thing stumbles around a bit, like, I think this is what I'm supposed to do after I get stabbed. And then he starts healing back up because he's made of plant people. Yeah. Um, so... And the guy's like, what the fuck, right in time to get murderized by a bunch of vines. Well, and... well no, not just what the fuck, he's like, what the fuck, and then goes to stab again. And then he gets murderized by a bunch of vines, which pull him out of the house and... Based on what we see from the scene... Rip him limb. Yeah, rip him literally apart. Yeah. So then we go back to Abby. And Abby has found the place Susie is. And she sees Susie. And then she sees the swamp thing step out behind Susie. Yep. So she freaks out, which I actually can't blame her for. And she convinces Susie to come to her. Even though Susie was just chilling nice and by swamp thing. No problems. No one was concerned about it. And she grabs um, Susie when she gets close enough and runs off. And Swamp Thing disappears again. Yeah. Matt finds the two of them. Swamp Thing has vanished. And we get a cut back to the Sunderland home. Where Maria is once again in Shauna's room. And we see Mr. Sunderland walk in. And Maria pretends to be sleeping. And when he leaves, we see her staring at, assuming she can see it, Shauna. Corpse daughter. Her corpse daughter, who is then staring at the screen, so they are effectively almost spooning. Yes. Uh, and then we cut back to the boat with Matt, Abby, and Susie. And Abby and Susie are talking about the swamp thing. And Susie says that it, that she talked to it. He's afraid. He doesn't know what's happening. And Abby's like, did you say anything else? She's like, his name is Alec. Yes. End of the episode. That's it. Yeah. Okay, Doki. That's episode two. You want me to go first, or you want to go first? Uh, I guess I can go first, because I assume you got your more negative stuff to say again. I mean, it's better than last time. Yeah. So, o- overall, I am still interested in it. I mean, that it's literally noted here. That's not hard to achieve to gain my interest in this, though, because that's Swamp Thing. I'm definitely still happy to see reference to lesser-known DC characters. There are definitely some things that can be improved. Do not get me wrong. The pointless scenes that they have in here sometimes the complete massive plot hole holes sorry more than one this episode just has the one but i mean yeah but overall because this is a final thoughts thing yeah i'm combining both but i think the second episode is definitely definitely stronger than the first episode i will agree and now we actually have a swamp thing yeah and we've kind of established him so Hopefully we get more Swamp Thing doing Swamp Thing things. And because we have a Swamp Thing doing magic Swamp Thing things, maybe we get a Blue Devil or a Madame Zanadu doing fun magic things. I think... Also, Jason Woodruff has to become a villain in this. I'm calling it. I think your love of Swamp Thing's verse... It ha- has tainted my image. You have too much hype for this show. I just, I need to know what all they're fucking because, including. You know, Are this they including is, the red, the green, the blue, you, the clear? You do know this is the same sh- same company that made the Teen Titans live action show and Doom Patrol. I know. Okay. As long as you know. I, I know. Episode two, I will agree with you, much better. It's still 
pretty painfully slow. Although this one's paced better. I will I, I will concede that point. But it's still kind of boring. I just want Parliament of Trees at some fucking point, if I'm being completely honest. like I can forego all the other bullshit I want. I, at bare minimum, need Parliament of Trees. That's cool, because every time we see a new Batman thing, I'm always like, Court of Owls, Court of Owls. Um, so I get you. I know where we're sitting. I know, I, like, we're both What here. is more integral to the story of the character, though? Yeah, Court of Owls is super pivotal. <laughs> but Swamp Thing is cool. Like, the character. Yeah. His design. design is awesome. Like, he looks great. And now that we don't have to deal with what, whoever played Alec, no offense to whoever played Alec, if you ever hear, us, ever hear this podcast, we don't have to deal with him being boring. If you do... Uh, feel more than free to reach out to us, complain, or you know you could also just want to come on the show. We'll call that too. Yeah, we'll definitely clear a twelfth for you. Um, but or you know maybe we're gonna sign our twenty second. If you can just suggest a show that we would like to review that you want to review along with us. Yeah, and I just don't feel myself getting into the show. Like I'm gonna I, I love I love everything tangentially related to the Dark Justice League. Everything tangentially related to that? Really? Because you kind of just insulted Blue Devil earlier, and he's related to that. I didn't insult him. I just... His origins are stupid as fuck. Trust me, I know. Um, but, like, everything tied to the magic of DC is cool. Like, Fate and Spectre. I mean... Zatara and Zatanna. Xanadu and... is tied to Spectre. Yeah. Super I... hardcore, like, massive part of his story for All a of this stuff is super cool. I just wish that the show was more interesting yeah like i said I, I think even the second episode still massively falls to the problem of still trying to establish swamp thing my first also... my last two lines of notes here the show feels very bloated and bogged down by its bloat it's a slog to watch through you just wanted to make puns in it, didn't you no, i mean not really bog and slog are actually like two words that i would use to describe this show regardless of if it had to do with a swamp or not it's a slog to watch through it feels it feels heavy. Like, it feels like I'm trying to go through something that doesn't want me to go through it. I don't think the second episode is nearly as bad about that. And when a show act, when a show feels like I have to fight to get through it, that's an issue. Yeah. I definitely said the first episode. I don't think the second episode is... The second episode, the second episode is much better about it. I will admit that. I just... It just doesn't click with me. It doesn't vibe. I don't have any interest in it. Which is sad because I like Swamp Thing. If you finish this and this show is ends much better than it starts, oh, I'm going to keep watching it. Let me know. I might push through it if it's much better than at the end than it is right now. Especially if the pacing picks up, because the pacing is the thing that kills what, it for I'll me. I'll do that unless I mention Spectre anywhere, in which case I will never mention the show to you, just so you can miss out on it. Don't do that to me. <laughs> Spectre is one of the coolest DC characters, right up there with Fate. Yeah. You know what show has a really good portrayal of fate, though? The Constantine TV show. You know what show has a really good portrayal of fate? Young Justice. Young Justice. You should watch Young Justice, everybody. You should. Um, you don't have to subscribe to anything to watch Swamp Thing. It's on CW streaming service. Yes. You just have to deal with commercials. But you, what you should do is go subscribe to DC streaming service and watch all of Young Justice. And then unsubscribe to the DC streaming service. After, I guess, probably watching almost every animated movie. Their animated movies are so good. I have seen all of the catalog on the DC's universe's page so, for yeah. everything animated. After that, you can just stop. Yeah. So, Cancel your subscription. I have watched all their animated movies and Young Justice and Teen Titans and stuff. Not the shitty Titans show. So, 
I think unless you have more to say about Swamp Thing, that kind of wraps us up. Yeah, I think I'm good. Okay, so before we go to our normal outro, I do just want to plead with our audience, and I, I do mean plead. I'm on my knees here begging you. You want to leave us some five-star reviews somewhere? Like iTunes or something? I vote ten-star reviews. Can we eat those? Yeah, if you can find somewhere that leaves us ten-star reviews, do that. And if you actually leave a written review, I think on the 12th, we can make some time to read those. We could. We and, could indeed. And f- call you guys out. Not in a bad way. I mean, if you leave one-star reviews, we'll read it and call you out in a bad way. Uh, Even if there's no written comment. <laughs> we'll still call you out in a bad way. But five-star reviews, please. Um, I don't want to beg for it, but it does help other people find the podcast. And if you enjoyed the show, other people might enjoy the show. Or if you like to hate listen to the show, other people might enjoy to hate listen to the show. If you hate us and you want other people to hate us... They have to know we exist so they can hate us. Leave us a five-star review so more people can find us so they can hate us. That makes sense to me. It all makes sense to me. Um, anyways, outside of iTunes, which you can find us on, you can you can contact us via our Twitter at Copilot's Review. Our email at copilotsreview at gmail.com. Our website at copilotsreview.simplecast.com. Where you can find a link to our Discord, our email, and our Twitter. Yep, and if you want to suggest shows to us, we have a Discord channel specifically for that, or you can email us. We love hearing from from you guys. Uh, I would say we love hearing from our fans, but I don't know how many of you actually like us until you leave five-star reviews to tell us you like us. Or at least a comment on the Discord or something. Also, if you have any questions you ever want to ask us, there's also a channel on the Discord for that. There's also... Or if you hate Discord or don't know how to use Discord, that's also what the email is for. Yeah, yeah, that's what the email is for. If you want to tell us how much you hate my take on Swamp Thing, feel free. Because I know some of you, one of you out there, love Swamp Thing. Or if you want to tell me I got some obscure fact wrong about one of these obscure background characters, which, fuck you, I didn't bring it. (laughs) You can do that too. But anyways, thank you for flying with us, and please fly again.